Every day, thousands of companies contemplate or make the decision to pursue opportunities for growth in the U.S. government contracting market. With so many options and opportunities to start up and grow a business, why GovCon? Today, we're going to hear a new origin story about how one small business founder made the decision to start her business in GovCon, navigate the labyrinth of processes that exist, and hear about lessons learned along the way. Welcome to Unveiled. GovCon Stories, where we explore the experience and share the stories of small businesses in government contracting to spotlight the often sugar-coated or avoided discussions that speak to the reality of doing business within the U.S. public sector as a small business. On this episode, we are joined by Nikki Rogers, CEO and founder of The Blading Group, a small GovCon based in the D.C. metropolitan area, providing management consulting services with a focus on organizational transformation for government and commercial clients. Their core competencies include strategic assessments and planning, executive advisory support and governance, organizational change management, leadership training, and program and project management. Nikki is known for her ability to manage challenging clients, foster collaboration across disparate teams, and develop innovative solutions that drive successful outcomes for her clients. And as the founder and CEO of The Blading Group has built a reputation as a trusted advisor, a skilled communicator, and compassionate leader. She holds degrees from North Carolina A&T State University and UNC Chapel Hill. She is a certified project management professional and change management advanced practitioner. And as an involved community member, she serves as the board chair for Washington Improv Theater, an advisory board member for the UNC Chapel Hill Director Diversity Initiative, and Program Committee Co-Chair for Leadership Fairfax Institute. Fun facts, Nikki also has her own podcast aptly titled Women Thriving in Business, where she shares insights, tips, and strategies to empower and elevate women entrepreneurs and professionals. And we will definitely touch on that a little bit later in our discussion. Our guest is truly a powerhouse in the field of transformation strategy and business coaching and has a knack for driving impactful change for organizations and individuals alike. Nikki, thank you so much for being brave, pulling back the curtain, and sharing your GovCon story with us. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm excited uh, for the conversation. I definitely want to echo that. Nikki, it's great to have you on the podcast today to share your GovCon stories. Um, let's jump right into it. Um, if you want to kick us off and give us a little bit about your background, what is your origin GovCon story? Um, how did you get started in this space? Um, anything else you want to tell us about kind of how you how you initiated this this journey? Sure. Um, again, thank you all for having me. Um, I'm I'm delighted to share my story. Honored that you invited me here, and I'll give you the short version of my story. Um, I spent 12 years with one of the large government contractors in the Washington D.C. area, and. Around 11 years, I actually had a loss. So my mom passed away suddenly. And at that point, I realized, you know, life is very short. And I started to really reassess what I was doing with my life, what I was doing with my career. And three things became very important to me. One, I wanted to have control over my time. I wanted to have control over my income, my compensation, and, and really what was starting to be about wealth building. And the third piece is I wanted to have control over my legacy. And with that, I was like, I can't, I cannot do this as an employee anymore. And that started the genesis of me saying, you know what, I'm 
I'm going to leave this job, this position, and figure out something else. As I was leaving, I, I think I was leaving at an opportune time. I was leaving a project that I had helped win. So I'd help uh, uh, work capture and, and done a lot of work to win a, a over $200 million contract for my company at the time. I was one of the task leads and I had stood up the project and stood up that task area. And we were immersed in a client. We were, we were busy. We we're doing a lot of work, being, having a lot of impact. Um, and we're really, you know, more or less essential to the client at that time. And when I was leaving, first they said, what can we do to keep you? That's, that's always, I, I would tell anybody as you're about to make a change, that's always going to be a question that people ask, what can we do to keep you? But I, I was, you know, I had those kind of three things in mind, like, this is what I want to have control over. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. They said, well, we still need you. Can you come back and work for us? And I said, as my own business. And they said, yes. And I said, okay. And they said, name, kind of tell us what you want. Tell us what you need in order to come back. And that was, that was my first government contract um, is saying like, yes, I'm going to come back and work for my former employer. Um, I walked out of the door on Friday, came right back on a Monday. People said, I thought you quit. And I said, I did, but now I'm here as the Bladen Group and not as Nikki Rogers. And so I wish the audience could like hear me snap because I want to be in the background, like <laughs> snapping my fingers. But I think Zoom would actually cut out the audio. But just so that everybody has an audio cue, I am snapping right now. Like this is <laughs> popping. I just I love it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My virtual it, snaps. Yeah, so that, that was that was how I got started. I, I didn't quit my job to start a GovCom business. I quit my job at the time was to really find myself. And if you want to find yourself, become an entrepreneur, you will, you will meet yourself, all the parts, good, bad, and some ugly. But so it was, it was timing, it was opportunity, it was really my commitment to my vision. And, and that's, that's how I got started. That has turned into five years of still working with that same client through different primes. So working with my original employer when the contract was up another company won the contract because i had been in there the client was like oh you should go talk to nikki they came to me and said hey we're looking for people i said well i have a business i'm not I, i'm i'm not for hire but my business is for hire and had a great conversation with that ceo and they brought us on to the contract and um expanded the the number of um positions that I had. And so that's, that's how I got started. And that's how, that's how I've been rolling. That is amazing. And um, I feel like coming out of uh, our spring season and now into our fall, like we're starting to, and we've known this, um, Yaz, you know, but starting to hear in the stories, whenever we ask our guests, guests about their origin stories, how they got started, that there's a trend with the transition from being in the space, the timing, the opportunity, um, needing to have more more um, control and authority um, over our station and what we're doing and what our goals are and just our lives in general. With that said, going from being an employee to a business owner, that is a huge mental shift. It's a infrastructure shift. And there's plenty of free resources and stuff that are out there. Um, we know that there's what, over 90 
uh, Apex Accelerators, formerly called PTAX, that's now funded by the DOD. There's a thousand plus uh, small business development centers or SBDCs from um, SBA, SBA and countless other organizations. Government also pushes a the the market has a partnership model that's encouraged uh, with subcontracting. With all that said, the reality uh, of a day in the life um, transitioning into having your own business, could you please share with us like what does a day in your life as a GovCon small business founder look like? You know, I think it looks different every day. You know, when I first started off, it was very much heads down and and providing that client service, right? And it it looked very similar to being an employee at first, but then it's all the details, the devil's in the details. It's like, do you have all the, you know, have you formalized your business? Right. So there's a difference between I'm here, Nikki, as an independent consultant and, you know, a 1099 or whatever. But when you actually start a business now, there's there's rules, there's regulations, there's licenses that you need. There's registering in SAM or registering with the state if you want to do you know business with the state at the state and local level. There's a degree of documentation and accountability that is required as you're as you're kind of growing your business and and looking to scale. So I can, I can go down the rabbit hole, but a day in the life, I mean, it starts off like some of it is about clients and some, and, and a lot of it should be about building the business. And I think there's a, a point in time. And when you shift from I'm working on clients to I'm working on the business. So a lot of my time is just getting really better educated, more knowledgeable about certain components of the business. One of the things that has always been I would say the piece that I least like to deal with is the is the business development side, right? And the selling, the marketing, the the touching and talking and all that stuff, right? And so I had to really lean into that. I'm an introvert and I really had to start being like, oh, I have to tell people what I do because I can't sit over in the corner and expect people to come to me. I actually have to go out and talk to people and say, I have a business. This is what I do. And this is how I can help you solve the problems that I that I can tell that you have. Like, you know, there, there are certain things that are issues across the board. So for me, it was a lot about getting smart, building confidence, building that courage to just say, hey, I have a business. So every day can look different, but a lot of it is is really um getting very familiar with your clients and the clients that you want to go after. What are their needs? What are their issues? What are their concerns? What is what is being said in the news about them? Looking through strategic plans, looking through um, forecasts, and, and getting really intentional about how I go after clients. The other is servicing current clients, and then it's managing people. Like, you know, I would say if you have employees, that is going to take up a, a lot, lot of your time. <laughs> like, a whole lot. A, a lot, whole lot. lot of your time. Even when you have really great employees, but they're looking to you to one, move um, barriers out of their way or just to smooth the path for them. And a lot of it is about coaching. So if you um, if you want to have great employees that can go off and, and really work on their own, but also carry the message and represent your business well, you actually have to provide them with, you know, coaching, with feedback, with training, with saying, 
hey, you haven't even asked me about this, but I know that in order for you to do a great job here, this, these are the five things you need to know. And asking them, what else can I do for you to help you learn? Like we had, we did a migration to the Microsoft suite of products. And one of my employees was like, oh, I'll take it on and learn all the bells and whistles, right? There's so much you can do in teams. And she's like, oh, we can do this. And this is how we can make our lives more efficient. And I was like, you know what? Go with it. So a lot of this is really being in the mode of a student. So it's, I, I would say a day in a life is, 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 it's just learning, applying, trying things. So it's between being a student and a scientist, right? You keep doing experiments and figure out what works. And if something fails, it's not a failure per se, it's information. Now you can go and do, you can, now you can tweak that and do something else different. So really long answer to your question. <laughs> no, it was honestly, it was a great answer because part of kind of the next question I was going to ask you was regarding some of the challenges that you face and how you navigate those. So you touched on a lot of it, um, but I think at the part of the core of this is time management. So when you're dealing on a day-to-day -day basis with this multitude of kind of outliers, some internal, some external, some not even outliers, part of your day-to-day -day kind of just life as we're talking about it as a business owner, how do you prioritize activities? How do you, how do you balance some of those competing activities and, and kind of navigate this on a day-to-day -day basis? Because I know each day there's a competing priorities. There's, you know, there's never one and two. It's more like one and one dot one and 1.2 versus a clean transition. Everything. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that kind of you've learned over the course of now running your own business in terms of how you tackle and prioritize and navigate some of these challenges that you talked about in just your day to day? Everything goes on my calendar. Everything goes on my calendar. I, I found like I was making to-do lists over and over and the same things would be on the to-do list. Like and you this, write it like five times. Exactly. <laughs> and tomorrow is the same to-do list. And then I, what I realized is for me, it actually has to go on my calendar. I actually have to block the time and say, you know, whether it's it's do some research or send an email or whatever it is, it actually has to go on my calendar. I live and die by my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it does not exist. And so that's one thing. So then I can actually, I'm scheduling slash prioritizing things because it's on my calendar, breaking things down into bits and pieces. So um, my first thought when you ask that question, like whatever's bleeding, right? But I want to stop things from bleeding, right? I don't want to get to the point of like, like this is an emergency. So actually, if I say, you know, I have something that I have to do next month is actually start putting on the calendar. What are the, you know, what are the bits and pieces that I can do in like 15, 30 minute increments that are going to lead me to, to getting that accomplished by the end of the month. I would say when it comes to proposals, like it, it's just, you got to do that proposal. Right. But I try to triage by um, one is doing something related to future business. So setting, future Nikki up for success. The next thing is servicing clients and then clients and my staff are usually hand in hand because typically anything I'm doing for my staff is related to something they need to do for the client. So I would say the, that's how I prioritize is setting me up for success in the future and then doing the things that are, that are key to kind of keep the machine running. 
And then the third slash fourth thing is always feeding knowledge. I am always in a class, in a webinar. Sometimes I'm double, triple booked. I'm like, okay, well, then let me listen to the recording if I couldn't go live. One is, is increasing my knowledge. Is Two is leveraging resources that are out there. And then three, the community, like you're on a webinar and you you hear someone do their pitch about their business. You're like, oh, I'm, that would be great. Like we could partner together or actually I need that service. And so it's it's also like, it's it's feeding my mind, feeding my skills, but also expanding my network. So that's kind of how I, I kind of prioritize uh, what I do each day. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we all have like the shoulda, woulda, couldas and things that come up uh, in the process of learning how to do the business. Because like you said, it, it definitely is a mix of leveraging, I guess, methods and techniques that we kind of pick up along the way in the life of just working and then figuring stuff out, right? And, see, and seeing what works what works for the environment that you're creating and the people that you've brought within with within your company. And so thank you so much for the detail of that, because I think sometimes people don't think about, like you were saying, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done. I had that same issue as well. We have a platform where we capture tasks and stuff. And it was like, kept moving the date, kept moving the date out. And it was like, man, okay, I got to put this on my calendar so it gets done and then break up the pieces. So yeah, that that definitely a, a golden nugget or gem, I think, for anyone that's looking to do the space, especially with GovCon because of all the disparate pieces. With that, we're always also trying to look forward to see kind of like what's over the horizon for our business. And, and you kind of started to go down that road a little bit. So I want to pull at that a, a little bit more and, and ask you what's over the horizon for the Blading Group and Nikki Rogers. That's a great question. Um, and, and and it's something I really ask myself on a daily basis. But, you know, I, I think today, as it stands, my goal for the Bladen Group is to expand, right? So right now we are in one federal client. We have a few local government clients. Um, so one is expanding the client base. In, in doing that, finding a client where we can really just go in and partner and really have uh, an outside impact on their work and how they work, you know, helping them transform into the organization of the future, right? So I, I think a lot of this is really about expanding the the client base. It's not so much expanding what I do, because I, I mean, I love what I do. It was like this whole focus on, you know, the human element of transformation. How are people engaged and involved and impacted by, you know, all these transformations that are happening, particularly technology is a big one, right? There is this huge technological transformation happening. And we have to remember there are actually people who are impacted or who have to use that technology. So that is the work I love to do. That is, you know, my 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 vision is expanding that work to multiple clients. Um, you know, so I got to pull on that thread a little bit before mm -hmm. I jump. To, we jump to kind of a different question. So, in terms of kind of how you your process for expanding your business, so. As you're currently in one client, and we have a number of small businesses that we've had on the podcast, as well as others we work with that are really struggling to make that transition into other customer sets, what are some of the 
kind of key takeaways or things you do, especially having kind of had to force yourself to transition out of also being somewhat introverted. What are some of those networking and like identification processes that you take in terms of making sure that you're pursuing the right thing? Because also, again, as a small business, we've talked about this a lot. You don't have the resources to do everything for everyone at every agency. So what are some of the kind of the tactics that you take in terms of, as you're talking about this, progressing your own business and expanding to other clients? The things that I've done is is really just having conversations with other small business owners. And, you know, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of tech companies, right? There's a lot of people who are doing technology and, and having conversations with them in talking about what I do and saying, you know, could this be helpful to your client? Is this something your clients are talking about? Is this a space that maybe you don't necessarily have the capabilities in, but I can come in and partner with you. So I think partnership is always key. And then the other piece that I'm learning through, I'm, I'm in a in a GovCon accelerator. So part of this is around doing your research, doing research on um, potential clients, understanding what their pain points are, like looking at their strategic plans when they're reporting about performance, right? Understanding what their challenges and issues are. So when you come to the table, you have an informed, you can have an informed discussion about what what their needs are and how you can support them. And I think when you have that level of clarity and I would say insight into clients, then you can go to the table and have a conversation and it might not turn into a contract right then because maybe they haven't even thought about it or maybe it hasn't been funded yet, but you start to spark an idea you start to spark, oh, well, they're actually thinking about my business in a way that I haven't yet been able to think about. Now you're bringing value to the table, right? And it's less about I'm servicing you right now versus I'm helping you think about where this agency can go. And I think when you're thinking that way, it it piques someone's interest and you, you develop a relationship. And I, I think everything is about relationship. You develop a relationship then that could turn into um, when they do have a requirement, when they do have a need, then they're going to call you first and at least let you know like, hey, this is coming out. So I, I think it's it's being really, I, I keep coming back to the word intentional, but being intentional about what you're going after, being very confident in what you provide and what you do. And then seeing how those things marry. I think the worst thing you can do is like, hey, I have, you know, I have a hammer. Do you have a nail for me? Nobody wants to know that. Like, nobody, <laughs> you know, people are like, you know, it's like, I have a hammer. Do you have some pictures you need me to hang? Like, like that's, that's different. Right. And so I, that's think- a t-shirt worthy quote, by the way, I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Like I, I'm going to find a way and I'll definitely give you credit for that. We're going to find a way to get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm all about Etsy t-shirts right now. I'm sorry. It's a tangent. It's just, I'm all about Etsy t-shirts. I don't know why. I love it. I love it. So, you know, it's, it's just having a different um, approach and perspective. And I think you build relationships, you build trust, you build like, I'm a person who can help you or my business can help you accomplish your goals. I think that's how you, that's how you expand. That's, that's my approach at least. So I got one more, I got one more cause I'm just gonna keep running with this thread cause I, I like where we're going here. So if we're following this, we're following this, this train here. So we've got 
a business started, we've got employees growing, we've got the ability to, to kind of identify target customers. You're looking, you're researching, you're listening, you're learning, you're understanding some of their impediments, some of the drivers behind what they may or may not know. Now you've got to parlay all of that information into a proposal. A proposal process in and of itself is a beast. I mean, this is the end of the, the fiscal year. So I, I, I know people don't even want to hear the word proposal right now because it is just a show in the industry. Mm. But I mean, how do you as a small business mitigate the impact of the proposal process on your your company, your business, your life as well? Let's not let's not sugarcoat this. I mean, hence the name of the show. There's a heavy impact on you as a person, especially as a business owner and any employees that you bring into this process, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you mitigate that as a small business? You know, I, I think it's a fact of life, right? It, it, it is what it is. It is and, and I say it's a, it's a period of time, right? It is, it is literally a sprint. Like most things you're like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. No, this is a sprint. Like, <laughs> you gotta go like put all your energy in it. And, you know, I've been able to mitigate that because I work with other small businesses. Like, 95% of the time I'm pursuing a proposal with another small business and we kind of, we, we work it out together and that has, that has worked for me, but, but it is, it is time and energy, but I mean, I feel like that's just kind of what I'm supposed to be doing as, as a CEO until I can outsource this or until I can bring someone in, like, this is my job is like trying to build, to bring in business. And honestly, I've talked with other small businesses and, and small meaning bigger than me, but people who are making 30 million, people who are making 60 million, like proposals and business development are just a, it, it's hard. It is. And it's the name of the game. It's a part of life. Like there's yeah. no getting away from that. Shall and we call it a necessary evil? It definitely is. <laughs> It is. And it's like, okay, but it's so on the other side, like this is the government, I'm a taxpayer, right? I do want you to have some kind of validation that people can do the job that they say they can do, right? Everyone is not, I, I've seen a lot of ways RFPs have been written. And sometimes you're like, you're not going to get the answer. The answer that you're going to get is not going to help you with your decision making. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and just for those who don't know what an RFP is, it's request for proposal. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like a survey. If you have bad survey questions, you get bad, you get bad data. And so sometimes you're looking at an RFP and you're like, this is not going to get them what they want. Right. And right. so there is an art and science into that. But on that side, I'm like, there, there, it is a necessary evil. Like there has to be a process. Like you just can't, you know, take people at their word. They have to be able to write. That being said, a lot of people outsource the writing. So you, you, if you write a really good proposal, that's great. And I've seen this, I've been on a grant review board and you're like, oh my God, this, their need is so great and they're doing a great project, but they didn't meet the criteria for the proposal. And you're like, well, they actually need it, but they don't have the resources to spend the time to write a proposal, right? So it is, it is kind of this, like, how do you, how do you fix this? Right. So right now, yes, necessary evil. It, it makes you really validate what you're saying. Right. So it's also this opportunity to kind of show and prove, but I, I would say it's not necessarily 
is not easy. It's not necessarily equitable. And the more money you have, the more money and the more you can invest in, uh, you know, the, the process, and then you're going to be more likely to get, you know, more contracts. So I think it's really key that you work with someone else who's done this before, find mentors, find other people who can be a part of the process. Don't try to do it yourself. Like, then it will take over your life. And it does. And I, and, I, and I think that happens whether you're in a small business or a large business. If you're working on a proposal, that's your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember working for my former employer and there were a lot of vacations, like June, July. Why you even go on vacation? Because there's going to be a proposal that's going to mess it all up. So you're sitting <laughs> in a hotel room and your family's out by the pool. That's not a great conversation to be having, right? So I, I think that happens no matter where you're in the business. I think you're right. Necessary evil. Yeah. And I, I would also uh, just add on there too, that making smart decisions about what opportunities um, you decide to put effort and equity um, time into is important. So if you're brand spanking new and you're starting as a very small company with one person, uh, opportunities that you put in your pipeline or that you actually decide to put some effort in writing on should look very different than a company coming in that's new, but they, they're coming in through an acquisition and they've bought, they have a portfolio of clients already and they're a certain size and they have certain revenue already that they're coming in with. That's a whole, that's a different positioning. And so they can go after some more, you know, sizable opportunities than you would be able to getting started. The last piece is I would say, be open. The government market has many sub markets and opportunities for you to explore. And some parts of the government, their processes are a bit more conducive for smaller companies. I will say like on the state side, they tend to have forms and spreadsheets and things like that, that kind of make the proposal process a little bit more palatable. It's not to say that it's easy or faster or cheaper or anything to that effect, but it definitely is a different experience than on the federal side. And especially if you're doing defense or intelligence, which tends to have way more complicated and complex types of proposal requirements and structures and and rules and and so on. And just to add to that, I think the the key piece is having discipline, right? So you can go after everything and you will spend a lot of time and energy going after things that you have no chance of winning. So I would say for a small GovCon, P-Win is your friend. And that is actually calculating your probability of winning the proposal. So there's the piece that you can control, meaning you write a winning proposal. But there's the other pieces like, do you have the past performance? Do you have knowledge of the client? Do you have relationships with this client? Does anybody you know have relationships? Anybody that's on the team have relationships with this client? Are you going up against an incumbent or is this new piece of work? Like there's so many pieces of data that have to go into that determining what your P win is in order for you to be really, I would say, judicious about your time and resources and having that, okay, my P win of this is 20% versus my probability of winning this is probably 90%. Go after the 90%. Again, you're you're getting your reps in, you're getting that past performance, and then now you you can build up to going after those bigger and larger things. Or you start to build relationships where you can go after, you know, a target client. But you got to go in there with some 
standing on some foundation and not just, oh, I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to try this because it looks good. That That's a recipe for disaster and burnout. And, and, and also being attuned to being opportunistic because sometimes, again, you are in the right place at the right time and you can you can jump on that opportunity. But you, you got to I think it's a disciplined approach to what you go after is, is really the key. So we've talked about time management. We've talked about discipline. You I mean, Nikki, you, you have it down. You've got a formula. You're working on growing your business. And somehow in all of that, you fit in your own podcast. And, you know, we in industries, especially Tasha and I, as young African-American women working in this industry, um, business owners as well, you know, have nothing but respect for our, our fellow fellow female uh, entrepreneurs in this industry. But tell us a little bit more about what made you start your podcast, the content you cover. Um, tell us more about women thriving in business. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to showcase uh, the podcast. I will say the podcast was born out of curiosity, right? So as I was getting started in the business, I wanted to know what other people's experiences were. And so while I can talk about what my process is and how I manage time, like a lot of days it looks very messy. Like it's, it's trash. So, (laughs) and, um, you know, you, you see everyone like they're on social media, like, Oh, everything's great. Right. And I, I honestly, I, I was curious as to what was behind all that. Right. So I wanted to know the stories. How did people get started? What are some of the challenges they're facing? You know, really what inspired them to start their businesses, right? And and just understand a little bit more about my fellow women entrepreneurs, about what pushed them, what inspired them, what keeps them going. And then what are some of the real world challenges they're facing? And it's amazing the the stories and experiences that I've I've heard. And I met some amazing women through the podcast. And you know, that, that was my goal. It's like, I'm, I'm curious, I'm nosy. Like, I want to know how you do what you do um, because I can always learn something. And also it just reminds you're not, you're not alone. You know, whether someone's been in business six months or 20 years, there's some of the same challenges that we face, that we all face. And so just those are the conversations that I hope to have on the podcast. And it has been wonderful. Like, I feel like my first episode, I felt like I had given birth. I was like, it's out there. And, <laughs> you know, it's amazing when people say, oh, I saw your podcast or I heard your podcast or I see you have a podcast. Like, you never know who's paying attention. And for me, if that inspires someone else to start their own podcast or they just listen to a guest and they're like, you know, they get their life together because of something someone said on the podcast. Like that, that's that's really why I did it. Yeah. So it get, it gets me out of being the introvert because I can sit there and ask all the questions. Um, it's fun to be on the asking side. Yes. Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was an excuse to talk to people and so um and and really share their stories with others. That's awesome. Tasha, I think we should do an episode at some point, and Nikki, you'll be welcome to join us for it called The Tea, like the real background, the real mess that goes on in the background. 
we we typically abbreviate that for the purpose of our, our 30 minute segments, but we may have to do a, a tea I love conversation <laughs> <laughs> so we can get into the nitty gritty. Yes. So we've heard about your podcast. Appreciate it. Really exciting to excited myself to listen into it. Um, but we want to share more with our listeners, with our partners, with other agencies. So Nikki, if you can tell us a little bit more about how potential partners, agencies, others can learn about the Bladen Group um, and get in contact with you specifically um, in your business, that would be great. Sure. Um, you can find me at bladen-group.com. So B-L-A-D-E-N-group.com. That is my website. It showcases um, uh, my services as well as our capabilities. And so that's the best way to reach us. If you want to learn more about the podcast, uh, the podcast is womenthrivinginbusiness.com. You can go on the website there. You can view past episodes of the podcast. We're also on all the major podcast networks as well as on YouTube. And if you are an agency that is or an agency executive that is undergoing transformation, I'd love to have a conversation with you to see how we can work together and co-create transformation success. Thank you so much. And with that, you know, we've had a conversation uh, with regards to why GovCon and an origin story by Miss Nikki Rogers with the Bladen Group, giving us so many, you know, juicy nuggets and lessons learned, you know, about being organized, prioritizing, tracking your time, doing your research, giving back into your people, being very forward and, and, and thought conscious about what you're delivering to your clients and what their needs and what their pain points are. And as long as you keep that focus, uh, you would definitely thrive and grow within this space. We know it, we've experienced it, and um, we hope that you've been able to take away from our conversation some great information that's going to help you make that decision to either come in government or help you to grow and thrive as we've seen Miss Miss Rogers do with the Bladen Group. And with that, that's our conversation on Unveiled. Yas? Yeah. One, uh, once again, we want to just say, you know, thank you to all of our listeners and for those that have joined us on Unveiled. GovCon Stories, a Hive 39 media production with our guest today, Nikki Rogers of the Blatant Group, and your hosts, Tasha and Yaz. Please subscribe, share our podcast, listen in, and also feel free to provide um, comments. We love to hear from our listeners and, and, you know, have hopefully one of you guys on as a participant in one of our uh, podcasts in the near future. So with that, again, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And Please uh, share out to your network.